Good morning, everybody. Happy hump day. Welcome to the news agenda with me, Fleet Street Fox. And today I'm joined at the last minute and as a quick drop in by my fellow mirror columnist, Darren Lewis. Morning, Darren. Good morning. Good morning, Alan. Uh, Alison, who was going to be here, the editor, I'm afraid, is stuck on a tube and the trains and everything because the whole public railway system is on its knees. We'll get to that at some other point. But thank you for agreeing to do this at the last minute, Darren, without having any idea what we're talking about pretty much um now this is the people's paper review so get into the comments ask us your questions we'll do our best to answer them for you those of you listening later on podcast will just have to struggle on by yourself uh, as best you can just like everybody else so what have we got for you today well the mirror has splashed on a number a yellow 13 on a black background as the prime minister rishi sunak takes to the conference stage in manchester to deliver his keynote speech to his party this week or today, actually, 12 o'clock lunchtime. 13, of course, refers to the number of years in Tory power in which almost every public service has been thoroughly potholed. More on that in a bit. But first, I want to take you to page 14, where I have a story in the paper. <laughs> um, this one uh, about a meeting held between Veterans Minister Johnny Mercer and um, campaigner Alan Owen, uh, who is the son of a nuclear veteran and has, is the founder of a campaign group called Labrats, which has been meeting Mercer quite regularly over the past couple of years to discuss the nuclear medal and other forms of recognition for the veterans. And Mercer, to be fair to him, has done quite a bit for them. All right. Uh, no one's criticising him for helping get the medal through, despite a lot of opposition within the Ministry of Defence. Mercer is not everyone's cup of tea. But uh, in a meeting earlier this year with Alan, apparently uh, Alan showed him some of the evidence that the mirror has uh, uncovered of uh, basically, well, human experimentation during the tests. So a blood test that were taken during the servicemen uh, and also civilians uh, during the nuclear weapons test, which would have shown comprehensively whether or not radiation had entered their bodies and was causing them damage. And uh, Alan showed the evidence of this to the Veterans Minister and said, can you help us get this truth out of the Ministry of Defence? Because when we apply for our medical records or those of our fathers, we are refused access. All the records are being provided with the bits relevant to the test just completely filleted. They're not there. There are whole missing chunks. Uh, and minister, uh, the minister had a look through some of the evidence. Alan described it as a skim. Uh, the minister's people say that he did actually read it properly. Uh, but that he said, well, there's really nothing I can do. I've sought reassurances from the Ministry of Defence and they say it's not happening. So if you want to do anything about it, then what you need to do is sue the MOD. Uh, and of course, that is what's happening now. But, Darren, it is pretty unusual for a minister of any government to say to someone who is coming to them with a with an issue. For example, let's say the health secretary had a meeting with someone you know from the Lucy Letby's hospital trusts let's say or another hospital trust who said they feared something going wrong there and said we've got an issue with this hospital is there anything you can do about it and say well if you need to do something about it you need to sue that's just uh astonishing it is it is it almost is and it isn't you know Susie because I think the bigger picture of this a lot of people will recognize the government telling the public you're on your own effectively they did it over covid uh, remember Boris Johnson, their bodies pile high. Um, they do it during the cost of living crisis where 
they tell us to do one thing and they do another. They will never live the lives that we live and they will never have the anxieties we have. And this is yet another example. I almost feel you're doing a little bit, yourself a little bit of a disservice because you've done tremendous work on this over a long period of time. And um, I remember, and I just took a, a note here about uh, Lord Tom Watson. Uh, he wanted a review of 150 uh, hidden documents about the blood yeah. sampling of test veterans that the mirror had uncovered, you had uncovered. Um, and those tests would provide definitive evidence of whether radiation at the weapons trials entered uh, men's bodies and caused damage. That's what we're looking for. And that's what we thought we would get help on. Uh, and when I say we, you know, this we are a newspaper that speaks for the people who don't and tries and fights for the people who don't have access to the corridors of power and the machinations that we do. And so we as a paper went, you went to uh, the people who could speak and believed that there would be some kind of resolution only for us yet again by members of this government to be let down. Yeah, and that's, it is a bigger picture. We it's are one of the. Uh, what do you think, everybody? I know there's lots of nuclear veterans and their supporters who who watch this show. Um, how do you feel about Johnny Mercer's response? Um, I've heard from his press officer this morning, who's terribly unhappy about the coverage. But they yesterday they said look, they don't dispute any of these words were said. They say that there was just a different sort of meaning or context to it, which is that I've looked into it. Um, I can't find anything there there is an option left to you, which is to sue. And that was the meaning of what was meant, as opposed to, well, you want to do something, you've got to sue someone for it, which is kind of the words that came out of the mouth uh, and the words that were heard. Mike says, it hardly comes under the heading working for the people uh, than telling those with a problem they need to enlist lawyers, who, of course, they would decry as lefty lawyers when they do. Now, one of the things Mercer did when he took over as Veterans Minister um, is that he insisted and got the Office of Veterans Affairs as a separate department, he got it out of the MOD. And that is a brilliant move because, um, you know, it's like it's like saying that, uh, I don't know, the education department should be responsible for every prisoner who didn't have the right qualifications from school. You know, if, if it's the thing that you've cocked up, then it is probably not the thing that should be you're able to fix if you see what I mean and so the Ministry of Defence with all its veterans and all its service personnel over many decades it uses them when it needs to use them it throws them at a problem and that's what it's there for but it's probably not the best organisation to pick up the pieces afterwards which is why you have over the Office of Veterans Affairs is outside the MOD and that is a good idea but having done that you know that is how Darren Mercer is able to tackle the MOD on things. He can go back to them and say, do you know what? You need to let this medal come through for the nuclear veterans. He can go back to them and say, well, the, the housing is just not good enough or the military covenant's not being followed in this respect or something else. He can go in and tackle them on war pensions and uh, bureaucracy in Veterans UK. There is every good reason that a veterans minister outside the MOD can see evidence put in front of him. And he was shown a, a briefing document that detailed 200 pages of documents we'd found in the archives which showed blood tests were taken, discussed, planned, organised, analysed. Um, to be fair to him, this is before the 150 documents we've just found, but I did wait for a while for this story to, to see if there was going to be any change in his in his position. This meeting actually happened earlier in the summer. And when there has been more evidence come through, he still hasn't said he's going to pick this up. 
you know, he was shown this evidence of these documents about these blood tests taking place of veterans, um, which veterans today need access to and are being denied access to for, for some bizarre reason, uh, and just said, well, I believe the MOD on this one. Which, uh, you know, I've been listening to what you've been... the MOD about anything else. Well, quite. I've been listening to what you've been saying. And as I said before, I, I remarked before on... on the drive and, the, and the, the frustrations you've had, the, the the relentlessness of your work, surely that all of that I should be ascribing to Johnny Mercer. If you are the veterans minister, it's your job to fight for the veterans, to look for the angles, to uh, pursue the areas that they're not able to pursue, that we're not able to pursue. And as you've been saying, find the solutions or ways around the solutions to get to where we need to be. And the fact that... Johnny Mercer is literally basically saying, you know, look, you do it yourselves, go and get some lawyers. And as you've been saying, you know, they're very quick to decry lawyers as lefty when it suits them. Um, but on this occasion, they feel that they can do the work they can't. It's a shambles. It is a disgrace. And I think as far as many of the people watching today who will have uh, relatives, loved ones who um, are in this position, they will have long since given up on the government's will to actually get justice for them. I think as far as Johnny Mercer is concerned, is his words say a hell of a lot. Yeah. Um, now, to be fair to Johnny, he's not here. Um, he is bound as a member of the government by collective responsibility. He can't therefore go and you know start criticising the government unless he wants to resign from it. He can't resign over everything, those resigned previously, over Northern Ireland veterans. Uh, it's much easier when you're not in government to criticise them and have a, have a go at it. I can't really see the point of a veterans minister if when a veteran raises an issue and gives them evidence of an issue, they just go, I believe the guy who said, I believe the people who you blame for this issue that I can see evidence of, I believe then that it doesn't exist. I don't know what more I could do other than get the evidence in front of a veterans minister and say, what do you reckon? But uh, there we are. That's what happened. Um, we'll have to see what the fallout from all of that is. I suspect um, I might not hear quite so much from Mr Mercer in the future, or he may decide that this is something he does want to look at a little more thoroughly. We'll have to see. But this is why the veterans have launched a lawsuit, which is apparently the only way they're going to be able to access their medical records and the medical records of their fathers in order to see if that has had any impact on, impact on them and their families. And there is a crowdfunder to help them get that to court. If you have not donated already, if you haven't spread it around with your friends and family, please uh, have a quick look there for the Crowd Justice website. It just Google bloody truth and nuclear veterans. It will pop up. Anything you can donate is going to help them get the answers out of the Ministry of Defence, which Johnny Mercer says he can't get for them. Um, and if you can share it with 100 of your friends, only 1% of people right, will donate. So can I just... Um, Susie, you know, there is that, that the point about that. I know you say you don't know what more you can do when, when in fact, you've done an, an awful lot. And I even though outside of this show, you know, you've been in touch with me, you with outside of hours, uh, searching for various <laughs> things. Right? Darren, yeah, I, I know, know it's four in the morning, but you um, need to help the veterans. <laughs> well, but you have, and, and I think it's important for people to know that, you know, because we do this because we care, not just because it's our jobs, it's because we care passionately, you care passionately about this, and it's the reason why you devoted so much time to it. And it just, I was just thinking as you were talking, you know, there are so many areas where 
ordinary people have had to resort to legal recourse. COVID, the Grenfell. Um, I, I just think to myself, where does it end? We have this government, even now, at Tory party conference talking about doing this and doing that for what they uh, describe as hardworking people. And yet when those people genuinely do need help, they are not there. They are on their own. They are always being left to fend for themselves and come to uh, people like yourself. I won't say us because you've done the work. And I think um, now we can all do the work. Now we can all contribute and ensure that Mercer, the MOD and all of the people that have found those veterans are held to account and have to surrender the documents that will vindicate them. Yeah, the documents they always said didn't exist. 2018, they told Parliament, we don't have any information about blood testing, don't know what you're talking about. We've now got 150 documents. We've now got 200 pages of, of stuff we found. Uh, we've got multiple proof that veterans' medical records have been filleted and are not complete. Um, if I had believed the MOD... On day one, and just about there's nothing more I can do. They said they haven't got it. We wouldn't have any of that. We wouldn't have anything. We wouldn't have a lawsuit. We wouldn't have a crowdfunder. We wouldn't be having these stories, and the veterans wouldn't have um, some kind of hope of finally getting some answers. So, if you can donate to that crowdfunder, please chuck in whatever you can afford. Um, the average donation is about forty quid, which is very generous in a cost of living crisis. Uh, some people are donating more, some people are giving less, whatever you can afford. But if you can share it with 100 people, you will be able to double your money and get another donation out of them because one more percent will donate. So please share it as widely as you can. Um, right. We need to move on to the biggest story of the day, which is, well, pretty much the same thing, really. Uh, broken politics, things not working the way they should. Now, Rishi is making a big speech at the Tory party conference today. This is supposed to be, Darren, his reset. This was going to be how... Uh, Rishi is going to take the party into the next general election, is going to G up all the activists and go, yes, we're going to set the tone, we're going to win, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to have a big message and a big policy sell for you. But the leaks seem to have done for it. So we've heard over and over again that HS2 to Manchester is being axed. He has refused to speculate on it over and over again. And it seems very, very likely now, in fact, so likely you could probably bet your house on it, that he is going to announce in the speech that it is not going to happen. And he's somehow going to say that well, that will uh, enable them to afford to pay for other things. But, you know, you don't get Northern Powerhouse Rail unless you spend money on HS2. And if you don't do HS2, then you have to spend more money on Northern Powerhouse Rail, which then, of course, makes it uneconomic. So why are people going to do it? Uh, and the Mirror here is reporting that he's going to criticise 30 years of political failure which is a bold move from uh, the sixth Tory prime minister in that period. Um, but he seems intent probably on blaming Tony Blair as opposed to uh, John Major, David Cameron, Theresa May, Boris Johnson, Liz Truss or himself. We've had two Labour PMs in 30 years and six Conservative prime ministers. Uh, the Labour ones presided over stable administrations. The Tory prime ministers, each and every one of them, had some kind of administration that was a loose coalition of chaos and factionalism and infighting and absolute nightmare um but what do you think darren do you, do you think if if this uh you know the briefing is right that he's going to be criticizing 30 years of political failure that that he's got a point i mean if we get to the point where we have a veterans minister who's not veteraning <laughs> is he actually telling the truth 
you know, um, Rishi Sunak uh, is symptomatic of a government that has nothing, nothing for us. If you look at that spread we showed a second ago, it shows you that every area of public life is in ashes. And the headline is so, it sums up the situation so well. Extremity yesterday and throughout the Tory party uh, conference and confusion. The one thing none of us are confused about is the fact that this government is full of mendacious, lying, I've obviously got to be careful with one or two of my words. Um, <laughs> uh, I, trust me, I want to go a lot further, but I think blaming other people is all Rishi Sunak has. He's done a round of interviews at the weekend where he's been asked straight up about HS2 and he's obfuscated and he's tried to misdirect and he's tried to answer separate questions rather than actually telling the truth about mm -hmm. the situation. And listen, we will always do that. Our front page uh, 13, it, just a number 13, sums up the number of years that it has taken this Tory government to tear this country apart. And instead of actually owning those failures, it tries to get us to attack each other. Now, I'll get to um, that in a second, all of the divisiveness. But I think as far as you're concerned, you're right. You, you summed up all of the numbers all of the ministers who have been in charge, all of the individuals uh, within the Tory government who could have done something about the problems they're claiming the country now has and they're trying to shift to the door of the opposition. It's embarrassing. And the thing that frustrates me the most is that there, there are lots of politicians popping up on TV shows trying to defend records that are indefensible and trying to blame, for example doctors for going on strike to to get better pay so they can recruit more people within their cohort to be able to help people and yet they are trying to blame those doctors for bit and nurses for being selfish and trying to claim and use emotive language to turn ordinary people against the people who want a better service for them you look at education you look at the service industry you look at every area of public life has been raised to the ground by this government. And now Rishi Sunak is going to do the equivalent today. You talk about resets, he's going to unplug it and plug it back in again. Come on, do me a favour. Right, yeah. Everyone has their number by now and trying to get everyone to turn against each other and trying to get people to believe that it was the fault of a party that was last in power 13 years ago. Try and pull another one. Mm, yeah, well, we'll have to see, won't we, how that speech is going to go down. Now, interestingly, um, Kevin was saying uh, earlier in the week on Monday that the, where the Tories give their big speeches now is no longer in the big conference hall. They've shut that down because they can't fill it. And they've repurposed a press area on the side of the room, which you can just about fit a few hundred people in. And that is where he's, they're now giving their conference speeches. And even earlier in the week, you know, Grant Shapp still managed to make it look empty. Uh, but, you know, Grant Shapps is another one who's not talking to nuclear veterans, so he's not on my Christmas card list. Now, what do you think, everybody? Do you think the political system is broken? Do you think she's got a point? Do you think that there is, um, it's unfair for us to say uh, in the mirror that um, there's 13 years and they should have fixed it if there's a problem? Marco says politics isn't broken, the Tories are broken. There's a lot of people in the Conservative Party who currently agree with you, including the poor chap who was thrown out for um, quietly mentioning Suella Bravman was talking rubbish 
It wasn't even a heckle. Uh, Denise says, I want an election. Get him out. Um, yes. Yeah, now, it's, it's got to be said that the political system, whether it's right or wrong, is the reason we have an unelected prime minister. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's the reason we have uh, a party which is so completely chaotic absolute chaos it can't even agree with itself and somehow managed to be in power for 13 years i don't see how that's happened i mean it's lost its majority several times what what why are you still there you know this should be happening cheryl says we should have had a new government when cameron went instead of all these jokers who bled to the country um what do you reckon darren i mean it is a bit broken isn't it it's completely broken it's not a bit broken it is completely you agree with rishi broken did it uh, i did it <laughs> listen <laughs> that, that, rishi is part of the problem that that that's the issue um somebody mentioned suella braveman a, a second ago and i know we did her on the show a while ago but i do feel she's important to come back to um because i think that it is all connected because it's so broken, all they have is to get us looking the other way. Uh, I, I have a thing, and it's slightly off topic, but I think it's really important for our viewers to, to, to have a little think about, and even for us, because we don't like to look inside the media ourselves. But mm. personally, I feel we need a, a really urgent conversation around how much more of Suella Braveman xenophobia we can have broadcast on national television, masquerading as political discourse. Um, I saw one outlet yesterday clipping up something she said with the whole, they'll take our jobs, they don't speak the language, um, all that rhetoric and, and, and the outlet kind of asking, is that right? Now, for me, that's not political discourse. It's the language of racism. It's the language that ordinary people watching this show don't recognise because we live together peacefully. We get on, we expand our horizons, our cultures. Is the kind of thing I'm hearing Suella Braveman come out with, Susie, it's the language I've spoken about previously on the show, and it's the kind of language that leads to kids getting bullied at school for being different, um, people having stuff put in, put through their letterbox. I remember the case of mm. Fatuma Haidara, uh, where somebody did that, killing her and her two daughters in November last year. It's the kind of language that leads to people like Hubert Brown, who got stabbed earlier this week um, in London. Do you know what do you know what would you can't work? Pump this stuff out, Susie, and then and then court her as 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 our broadcast media do for sit downs where she can do it. Someone and someone crosses the line, and then you say you don't have blood on your hands. I think we have to have an urgent conversation about how much more of this we can have broadcast from our national media outlets and not say enough. Not is she right or what do you think or do you share her. We have to say enough, otherwise we are creating a culture that is going to be febrile, a tinderbox in this country that we thought we last saw in the 70s. It is shameful that we have it again in 2023. Mm. Now, one of the things that might work, perhaps, I was just thinking while you were speaking there, is if um, we use the same laws on Suella Bravman that were introduced for Jerry Adams when he was leader of the IRA and uh, broadcasters weren't allowed to use his voice. Do you remember that back in the mm. 80s? And so they had to get an actor to voice the things that Jerry Adams said. And actually the actor was quite, it was quite, sounded quite nice. And when we finally did hear Jerry Adams' voice, we thought, oh, good Lord, he sounds like he's terribly Irish. Uh, and it just sounded very different. Uh, how about if we had an actor voice some of the things that Suella Bragman said? A white actor, of course. I'm telling you, a white person 
saying the stuff that Suella Bradman had said would sound like a Nazi. They just, and they, they would not be broadcast in the same way. It's because she has brown skin, unfortunately, and it really should be the case. But if we had her voiced by someone who sounded like Alf Garnet or Jasper Carrot, right? Someone with a regional accent who says yeah. some of this stuff, it would just be funny in a way. To some people, it would be satire. It would be laughable. It would be a joke. It would be ridiculous. It wouldn't be something that, like you say, that is taken seriously enough to be discussed on Newsnight as a possible, you know, way of looking at things. Because just because she's Home Secretary, don't make her bright. It doesn't make her right. And it just, if I think we should just find a way of revoicing her to point out the true nature of what it is that she's saying. Because again, it's being a woman as well. A woman saying stuff sounds different to a man saying things. It's not just about skin color, is it? It's it's about someone saying it in a way that's acceptable because she's a home secretary, because she has brown skin, because she is a woman, she's able to say some of this stuff. Whereas, you know, a white man of your age, Darren, wouldn't be allowed on the telly yeah. saying that. Good Lord, if you was on question time and you were white and bald with a little grey beard, oh. no way! Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. And, you know, a, a colleague of ours, Kevin Guy, was saying, I heard him saying, you know, and, and it's so great that yourself and Kevin say this. Sometimes when you're white, you find it, it's almost sort of, it's, it's difficult to say it because, my goodness me, I'd be mortified if someone thought I was criticising somebody who knows what they're talking about. No, she doesn't know what she's talking about. She is there to legitimise hate and the policies of the far right. She wants to play to a base within the Tory party that wants to take the country backwards. And I think as far as we are concerned, uh, boss Rishi Sunak, he's going to speak at 11.30 today. He needs to come out and distance himself from that. But of course he won't. Of course he won't. Because this is the man who, when he campaigned for his leadership, referred to his tan, believe it or not. I, I think as far as the, the party is concerned and Suella Braveman is concerned, uh, she's making life difficult for the people we at the Mirror fight for. And I feel that what you summed up just there is so true. If that was somebody who was white, who said it in the office, who said it on question time, who said it on in a social setting, they would be rightly condemned. They would be torn apart. Why is it legitimate for the Home Secretary to be using that kind of language, taking this country backwards, endangering the safety of millions of people and driving a wedge between communities and we are not saying to her enough we must i think we have to otherwise we are in serious serious peril as a country mm. do you know what i think it's almost people are being a bit woke with suella and saying you know she's she's allowed to say all this stuff because she's a woman because she's in an ethnic minority she's allowed to do whatever she likes which is the very work thing that i could have sworn that suella is sort of trying to work against uh now mike says farage dancing oh, this was something else i'm sorry i don't even want to think about this i know we have some footage of it but you know the mirror called this party conference crazed and confused but it's been very messy suella braverman echoed enoch powell's rivers of blood speech as we've just been discussing then she skewered a guide dog with her stiletto all right uh, uh therese coffee boasted about keeping gun laws relaxed after five people were massacred by someone with a shotgun in plymouth what uh, and lee anderson the deputy chairman said who'd want to go to bradford anyway 
when um, he was asked about HS2. And if you haven't been horrified yet by the footage of Pretty Patel and Nigel Farage dancing and singing at Tory conference to Frankie Valley, then can I recommend that you close your eyes because you will never unsee it. It's fairly horrific stuff. And as Mike was pointing out there, sorry, his comments, oh my word, no, 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 why are we watching this? As Mike was pointing out there, you know, if, if these two are able to laugh and dance with each other, Farage, who was ejected, I think, or resigned from the Conservative Party years ago, the fact that Farage is dancing the night away with senior Tories says it all, says Mike. UKIP have infiltrated, if not taken over, the Tory party. This is, before we move on to good news, Darren, this is kind of the thing, isn't it? When UKIP kind of distanced themselves from the Tories because they were just too centrist. They were just too happy to work with Europe. And UKIP sort of went off to the to the to the right. That was that was the right wing of the Conservative Party ejecting itself and forming a little factional group and then threatening the main Conservative Party at elections and things, and of course getting elected to Europe under proportional representation, which is one of the costs of PR and electoral reform, is you get the far right in. Um and now post-Brexit, they seem to be coalescing again. And after the next general election, which they're going to lose because Labour is still 20 points ahead, um, the chances are the rump of the Conservative Party that's left is going to be the Faragist, Pretty Patel, Jacob Rees-Mogg, Suella Braverman-led, influenced wing of something nasty and it's the it's the nasty you know if Theresa may thought thought it used to be nasty it's gonna get a lot nastier isn't it well absolutely but but you know i I almost wonder if this is project fear all over again because we saw uh with farage and his connection with the whole brexit campaign how he played on the fears of this country to to be able to get i don't even want to use the phrase but so i won't but he managed to succeed shall we say and and we're seeing it all over again, playing on the fears of this country. They are embracing him. He had a rapturous reception yesterday. This guy who has never been elected, I think it's seven times of trying. Um, mm. He had a ra- rapturous reception. Oh, Darren's gone. Darren's gone. Uh, I keep hearing gone. words. There he is, he's back. He had a rapturous yeah. reception, you think, Darren? Sorry, you're well, I, I, I use that in relative terms, of course, you know, but, but I think as far as he is concerned, he and those people who embrace him uh, and those figures like Patel, like Rees-Mogg, they're all examples of the fact that if you can articulate well and you wear a nice suit, you can be legitimised, even though you don't have vision, you don't have wisdom, you do lie, and you are proven to be a liar. Um, and But you can manage to get your hands on the seat of power that enables you to have free reign over destroying and dismantling not only various industries around this country, but as well as trying to do freedoms that have been hard won and that's the danger that he and they represent. Mm. And that's why I am, you know, we, we sometimes it's very easy to kind of write them off as a fringe element, a clown car of characters, and I use that word advisedly, uh, that are a little bit of a joke. But there is real danger about the fact that they are managing to hoodwink great swathes of this country into believing their divisive rhetoric and into believing that they have policies that are going to make life better 
for many people when in fact they are going to leave them. Just as we started with the the, the, the veterans who are frustrated and hit a brick wall uh, and all those people suffering from the cost of living crisis and all those people living in poverty and all those people who still haven't had justice for Grenfell and all the other areas of society that have been let down, those people will continue to dance and laugh and quaff champagne while everybody else is left helpless, in some, in many cases, homeless and mm. having to fend for themselves. That's what Sunak and all of those, Sunak, uh, uh, Farage and all of those people represent. Yeah, it does seem that the far right is starting to have a bit of a moment. Um, we'll have to just sort of keep an eye on each other and make sure it's okay. Eddie says, 150 Tory MPs made this man Prime Minister. Surely that needs to change. <laughs> uh, I think it's happened with Labour as well. I mean, Gordon Brown was um, became Prime Minister without an election. And it's happened repeatedly through our, our past because we vote for a party, not a person. And if we voted for a person, we'd end up with Donald Trump, which is probably not a good idea. Um, but... This is the system we've got. And if you want to say there's something knackered about it, there probably is. But whether Rishi Sunak's the person to fix it, I doubt it. Sorella Bradman definitely won't. If you can hear the dog barking in the background, I apologise. There's someone on my driveway. Um, now, we need to move on. There is a bit of good news in the world. Uh, well, the good news for bird lovers, if not necessarily for birds. Here it is. I'm in two minds about this story, but it's the only remotely good news that was in the paper this morning. So a parrot called Albert Sebastian managed to pick the lock on his cage at home. Well done, Albert, uh, in Cumbernauld near Glasgow. And he escaped to freedom. Hooray! But uh, kind of better in a way, um, his owner called Lorette McCutcheon, um, managed to sort of raise the alarm and a neighbourhood birdwatch was able to track him down 30 miles away and has now restored him to his owner. So Lorette says that she, people were walking around um, shouting, Albert Sebastian, into trees trying to find him for her. And it's, it's kind of a heartwarming tale of community spirit and people keeping an eye out for one another. Unless, of course, you are Albert Sebastian, in which case you are, you know, um, Lorette says that his cage is now, he's back home and he's locked up like Fort Knox. <laughs> so he's having quite a bad week. Darren, is this proof that you can take the bird out of South America and lock it up in Glasgow, but you'll never really take it? Well, I was trying, well, while you were talking, I was trying to think of um, names that I could give to, uh, I, I want to try and rename this bird. And I was thinking maybe Escobar uh, or maybe. <laughs> <laughs> or Papillon, um, <laughs> Steve McQueen, maybe. Um, uh, I'm, I'm trying to think of, and, and I'm sure some of our lovely um, uh, viewers will be able to help us out with a few more. But uh, clearly, this is a very resourceful bird. Um, Houdini's an obvious one uh, yeah. as well. Um, but uh, yeah, you can't, you can take the bird out of uh, South America and, or but. It will never go back. <laughs> no, I think the fact he could pick a lock is fairly amazing. And he should probably be in Britain's Got Talent. But I think maybe calling him Dickie Attenborough is is, is the way forward. Um, the star of The Great Escape, of course, who uh, dug tunnels, Tom, Dick and Harry, and managed to get them all out to freedom eventually. Uh, and pff, <sighs> perhaps that's the best hope that we'll have. Maybe, maybe Albert Sebastian can advise us how we can get out of the political mess we seem to be stuck in. Um, because we seem to be not able to release ourselves from it. Anyway, uh, we will have a general election, hopefully, within a year, and we'll get a chance. Please, for the love of P. 
compete, vote reasonably and wisely when that comes round. Um, thank you, Darren, for standing in at the last minute. Thank you, everyone, for taking part. Thank you to Johnny Mercer for giving me a story in the paper. Um, not for the first time. Uh, and thank you to Rishi Sunak, because without you, it would just be Suella, wouldn't it? At least he's keeping her from the door. Um, until next uh, Monday, then, everybody, we'll see you then for another edition of the News Agenda. I do believe we'll be carrying Rishi's speech live here from about half 11. So uh, do come back and watch that if you want to weep or gnash your teeth. Until next Monday, then, everybody, take care of yourselves and uh, tatty bye. <laughs>